everyone. Thank you for joining me for another week of Ask Floss. Okay, let's get right into it with the first question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, In 10 years, I see myself in like my dream fucking home. It's going to be this sanctuary where I can cook dinners for people. I can host gorgeous parties and make it a space for people to hang out. I want to be that like rich auntie vibe where people just come over every Saturday um, and I have cakes that are just baked on the counter for people to come in and have and eat and chat shit. Um, I want to still be going out dancing all the time. Um, I want to have a fat stack of books that I've published. <laughs> I That's what I want for myself. And I can so easily see that happening for me. I just, I, I love the small, very small things, despite me just saying I want a large house. Um, <laughs> I like the little things inside it. Like in my flat at the moment, I wake up every morning and I have my nice coffee set. I have my nice lingerie. Those are the things that really make me happy. And I can genuinely see myself just having more of the same and writing more novels. That's what I want to fucking do in 10 years. Okay, on to the next question. My boyfriend doesn't appreciate me at all. I do so much for that boy. I've just moved to London into his house. How do I tell him to make an effort without telling him to make an effort? So that's where the passive aggressive behavior is going to breed. Suddenly his boxes will be on the floor and you won't be saying, why are your boxes on the floor? That's so disrespectful. Do you expect me to pick them up? You'll be sighing, bending bending over, picking them up and putting them in the laundry bin um, instead of just telling him what you want him to do. I've seen a lot of women speak about more recently on TikTok about how living with a man sometimes you kind of fill this role as a mother that's definitely something I did a few years ago it has to be communicated that you are not his mother um and that you're not going to be doing all of the stuff for him you said my boyfriend doesn't appreciate me at all that's a crushing sentence he doesn't appreciate me at all you know that's the bare minimum is to be loved and appreciated and acknowledged for the things that we do. I would also probably have a conversation about love languages. Um, If you'd like to be verbally acknowledged for the things that you do, then maybe that's something that you could incorporate because sometimes you'll be like washing the dishes or like you'll be like giving someone gifts when all they want you to do is wash the dishes because their love language is acts of service. So communication and figuring out love languages. And then if he's not pulling his weight around, leave him, honestly. I, I can't, you you do not need to be in a relationship with someone who's not appreciating you, that it's going to drain the absolute life force out of you. And that's so much energy that could be put into something else, doing something else that you love on your own even, or with somebody with another person. You deserve so much better than that. Okay, on to the next question. Do you have any advice on dealing with a housemate who is rude, unfriendly and only blanks me? That sounds really bad. And the first thing that I want to say is if at all possible, I recommend that you move out. And of course, if that's not, I'm sure you've already thought of that. And if that's not possible, uh, I would set boundaries, energetic and emotional boundaries, because obviously you live with this person, you can't really create physical distance. So this is a housemate. I've I've had friends who have had housemates like this before. I've had housemates like this at uni. Do you have some advice clashing personalities? Um, so it's about having your rituals and not allowing them to be interfered by the other person. I, when I was in high school and I went through a period of being really badly bullied by my friends, I would imagine myself in an energetic bubble that was impenetrable. No one could get inside of it. I would sit there, I would literally close my eyes and imagine the bubble being around me and imagine that whatever they said, 
the size, the passive-aggressive remarks, the, the hurl of verbal abuse, it just bounced off the bubble and it did not affect me all my day. And people will think you're a bit silly for it. I got taken the piss out of for it, for closing my eyes randomly in the middle of a lesson because <laughs> I could hear them talking about me. But you just pu push through that little thing and find those little moments of courage where you can say, fuck you and I'm not going to let you have control over my mind. They can't. They can't. Else they rule your life. I would also heavily recommend uh, Dr. Romani's videos on narcissistic abuse, even if the person you're living with is not narcissistic. She has lots of um, tools on how to handle it. And there's a tool called Grey Rock, which is essentially where you just go completely boring and don't give them anything to engage with, because that's typically what these people are looking for. Okay, on to the next question. Hi, Floss. I'm a huge believer that a divide shouldn't exist in what jobs are perceived as female or male. I agree. Both genitalia are perfectly capable of doing the same thing and it's outdated to think certain jobs are safe for one gender or the other and excluding anyone else that fits within neither of those two descriptions. But I've somehow ended up in what is perceived as the male end of the industry. I don't mind it, but I've received some comments from female friends of mine saying my job is boring and that they're scrapping it off as something I'm doing for now until I find something I actually want to do. How do I tell them it's offensive without accounting it to the fact that they genuinely do not understand what my job is and without sounding like a dick? Loving the podcast so far. Thank you. Thank you so much for the lovely words about the podcast. Yeah, that is really frustrating. I, on a completely other level, I relate to people thinking that what you're doing is temporary um, and that it's not something you're, you're going to be good at or whatever. And it's really hard when people, people tend to unfortunately only catch up and agree with what you're doing when, it, when you kind of become successful at it. Um, my family didn't really get the whole feminism thing um, until they saw like an article of me in Vogue or something like that. And they were like, oh, okay, so this is like, it's actually working for you now. Um, I don't know what kind of industry you're in. If it's, no, you said it's a male, male dominated space and your friends think that it's something you're just doing for now. And they don't understand that what the job is. Maybe tell them about what the job is um, and tell them, tell them that it hurts you, that your passions to them are being so squandered and viewed as something that is temporary. If this is something that you want to do for your life, I imagine that's really hurtful. I would just try and tell them, honestly. And you're not going to sound like a dick. You're not. They're going to look like dicks for not knowing what your job is. <laughs> your friends should know what your job is. It's a bit like um, Chandler and Friends, isn't it? It's that like none of them know what he does. And then when they're all asked, they don't know what he does. And it's so sad. Um, so just tell your friends what you do and explain it to them and get what. let them see you get passionate about what you do. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Floss, love your podcast. I'm a feminist and I'm constantly learning and evolving within my own feminist education. I want some advice on how to educate my boyfriend on feminism and how he can learn to become a better feminist. Well, books and podcasts and a lot of men I've come to learn uh, listen to my podcast with their gut. I was at was that's what a lot of people have told me. Um, sometimes it takes someone introducing you to something uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. I think Bell Hooks has written a really good book. It's called The Will to Change about men and feminism. And also the Man Enough podcast with Liz Plank and Justin Baldoni. That is an incredible listen. And also because it has a man on the podcast, I feel like your boyfriend's probably going to be more inclined to listen to it. Um, so definitely recommend the podcast uh, Man Enough. Uh, I think you can listen to it everywhere. And I think it's great. Okay, next question. Dear Floss, I'm 14 and I love my family. Me and my dad are close, but sometimes when he talks about my future, he says some stuff that triggers me. How can I control my emotions and not get triggered about the stuff he says about my future? He mentions stuff like getting married at a young age, having kids at a very young age, that I don't own my own body and my body is not my own choice. 
It's not that you need to be less triggered. It's that your dad is saying some really like overbearing shit. I would feel, I think even if anyone who wanted that stuff would feel a bit suffocated hearing that someone's laid out their life for them. That's completely normal response. And you don't need to do, I guess it's more about managing those emotions, but you're not at fault here. Someone's telling you what they want for your life. And that would make anyone feel suffocated. I would try and talk to your dad about how it's making you feel. Um, and also, and I, I'm you're 14 years old, so you can't move out yet. But for me, it was like moving out of my family environment. It really helped me um, to find myself. And also, when I was not, my parents never said that stuff to me. But even in terms of like. When you're growing up, you get this like sticky reputation of who you are in your hometown, right? Everyone knows you um, as being the small, quiet person or this person or that person. And it's until you kind of like, not not saying you should move city, but like when you just even move out or you go to school or you change school and you start to make choices that reflect what you like. So when I came out of secondary school, I went to art college. I started to become more myself because I was surrounded by more creative people and queer people as well. So yeah, I would I would suggest finding little pockets because you can't control your dad and he can't control you either. You're 14 and you listen to this podcast. That just... That just makes me so fucking happy. Um, and I'm honoured that you choose to listen to this show. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, on to the next question. Floss, I need your advice. I'm trying to cut off an unfulfilling fling, but as soon as we're drunk, we want to rip each other's clothes off. What do I do? Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I've been there. Um, it's really, really hard, especially when you're drunk, exercising that like willpower and self-control. Um, a long-term solution is to practice self-control and willpower by making a little promise to yourself every day and keeping it. The short-term solution is to literally cut things off. You said you're trying to cut things off. You haven't. So you need to send that text, babes. You need to send the text. And then it's so humiliating to go back to them that you just can't. It's You, you can't do it after you've sent that text then. And that is how you overpower that feeling. Okay, on to the next question. Hey Floss, so I want to talk about something that's been bothering me for a while now. Yesterday I got an IUD, a copper coil, and I'm in terrible pain, but my mum and people around me think it's normal to just pop some medicine and then go to work. What do you think about this? I feel like feel my pain isn't taking seriously. Um, it, I wouldn't say... It depends on your coping mechanism. It literally depends on your, on your coping mechanisms and your default. So my default would be to pop in a pill and go to work. Um, but that's not necessarily the healthy thing. If I'm in excruciating pain, showing up and performing awfully, then the best thing would be to stay at home. I can't tell you, babes, how you feel in your body. If you do not feel good enough to go into work, then you do not feel good enough to go into work. Um, and that's not something that you should or can outsource to the judgment of another person. Listen to your body if you want to stay at home, then you should stay at home. I agree with you that female pain isn't taken seriously, even right down to the fact that we're told to uh, expect sex to hurt for quite a lot of the times uh, when we first have sex, um, whether that's in your teens, your 20s, whenever you first have sex. Um, we're, we're expected that when we pop the cherry, it's supposed to hurt a lot for like the next I was told for the next five or six times, and that's not true. And it just excuses men for the inadequate foreplay. Um, that my own body pain has been mansplained to me. So I totally agree with you um, on that point there, that female pain isn't taken seriously. So listen to your body and just ignore everyone else. It's your fucking body. 
Okay, next question. What's the best life decision you've made so far? Um, Leaving my ex-boyfriend, dropping out of university, moving to London, all of those enormous decisions. If I'd have gone anywhere else, life would be completely different and I might not be sat here today. Well, I definitely wouldn't be sat here today um, doing this podcast and being able to talk to thousands of people. So yeah, also lots of decisions about not dating certain people and not ignoring red flags. Um, God knows where I'd be if I just completely like let myself go um, and didn't like allow myself to see what I was seeing because of low self-worth. There's lots of life decisions that I'm grateful for, but particularly uh, moving to London. It was a domino effect after that, for sure. Okay, on to the next question. If you could be an animal, what would you be? Leopard. Instantly a leopard. And no further comment. Okay, on to the next question. Does the first time hurt? I literally just spoke about this. Um, I hate that we've been told this. Does the first... Uh, I'd hate that I was personally... I'll speak about myself. I was told that my first time should hurt for at least six times after. Um, and no, that's not how it's supposed to feel. It's, sex is not supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be joyful. It's supposed to be playful. It's supposed to be pleasurable. It's supposed to be intentional. You're supposed to be warmed all the way up, babes. Um... You're supposed to, if, if it hurts, then there was not adequate enough foreplay. Um, I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Like the experience is a foreign experience to, um, if this is like penis to vagina sex, it's going to be a foreign experience to your body. But it should not be painful. You should be enjoying it, you know? That's how sex is supposed to feel. Okay, on to the next question. How do I know if I've had an orgasm? likely you would not be asking this question because it's it's a it's like a a visceral extremely like climactic feeling that you get in pulsating throbs in your pussy so i think maybe you've probably come close to an orgasm if you're asking this question how do i know if i've had one you've probably come close to one um, and you're worried, and, and you're, and you're, sorry, not worried, you're asking if that's an orgasm. Um, for me, how I define an orgasm is reaching that climax, sustaining it, and then coming down from that climax. Um, and it being like this extreme burst of pleasure. Um, that's how I would describe an orgasm. I don't know if that's how actual sex experts describe them, um, but that's how I would describe mine. <laughs> How do I stop hating and feeling jealous of my partner's ex? This is so tricky because you are obviously in direct uh, comparison to another person. Um, and it's heightened when it's another woman because women are also encouraged to view each other through the lens of beauty, right? That's our value. So if you're looking at this woman through social media, the competition is going to be extremely heightened. Um, but people of all genders do feel that jealousy. What I would say is that this, your, your partner's with you now. Your partner chose you. Your partner is no longer with this person. And perhaps talk to your partner about your feelings. I think it's better to be honest. Otherwise, you might start to do things that seem a little dishonest or you might react and you might act out. I think if your partner knows, hopefully your partner's a healthy partner and they love and trust you and you can work through it through conversation and come to something uh, a resolution, you know, this is probably your stuff to work on, but it's a whole other conversation if your current partner is pushing you against your ex. That's a whole other thing. If someone is intentionally putting you against your ex, their ex, and saying, oh, well, my ex used to do it. 
that's what that's called triangulation and that's a manipulation tactic so i don't know the full situation here but it, it could also be that okay next question what's your favorite part of being bisexual being attracted to so many different people and i know that it's a st- the stereotype is that bisexual people are so greedy and they just want everyone um but i love being attracted to lots of different people it, you kind of feel like the world's your oyster and also i like i like being surprised by when i'm attracted to certain people I just love the potential for my life to look completely different based on who I date. So I could end up in a relationship with a man. I could end up in a relationship with a woman, a non-binary person. I like that it's very unpredictable and that the life I live kind of has multiple opportunities to be something. Like, I don't really know what it will look like for me. And that is really fucking exciting. Okay, on to the next question. What's your opinion on cosmetic surgery? I think people get cosmetic surgery for lots of different reasons. We've actually spoke about this on the show quite a few times. Uh, In the body image season, we'll be speaking about that as well. Trans people, trans women get cosmetic surgery, trans men, non-binary people, people of all genders get top surgery. I think there are so many reasons why people will have surgery to make them feel aligned with their gender. There are so many other reasons. And that is something that I completely missed out of the conversation when I first thought about cosmetic surgery in terms of like a feminist stance is that so many people need surgery and so many, so many people need surgery to feel like themselves. And even if it, even if you are a cis woman and you want to get a boob job, I just don't, honestly, I don't, care. I understand that the reason that women feel the need to go under the knife in the first place is because of capitalist patriarchy and beauty standards. But my personal stance on it is that I don't care. If you want a boob job, get your boob job. Um, if that's going to change your life, do it. And if you feel like you you want to get your boob job reduced because you regret it and you realise that you actually like yourself, then get the boob job bloody removed. I personally don't care what you do with your body. That's completely your own choice. And for whatever reason, it's none of my fucking business. Here's the next one. Hi, Floss. I want to ask you a question about how and when to call people out when they say something problematic and perpetuate harmful stereotypes and beliefs. I'm not a very confrontational person, so I either don't say anything and I'm left feeling shitty for not speaking up, or I try to speak up and get myself tongue-tied and don't know all the facts and feel like I just look stupid for even saying anything. What advice would you give? Okay, say when you don't understand something and say, hmm, I haven't thought about that perspective before. I don't really have all the information to um, combat that. What I would also say is that sometimes people like to play devil's advocate. So you'll say something that's like really heartfelt and experience based. And then someone will try to bring someone who doesn't have the experience will try to bring in the like uh, their logical perspective on it. And it will make you uh, feel like you want to get emotional expressing yourself. I think it's Brenny Brown who said uh, stories are data with a soul. And I fucking love that comment because people so often dispute and ignore lived experience stories as though it's like a one-time thing. But I love that quote, stories are data with a soul. I think I got it right. And your experiences, even though the person may not understand them or understand why you're coming from this perspective, just, just hold on to that quote. Stories are data with a soul. Your experience still matters. So in those times where you do feel like you might be getting heated and like like you said, tongue-tied. Just remember that your experience does matter. And it is a very skilled thing to be, be able to articulate every single thing that you're feeling. I love talking to my friends about my feelings and they kind of pull the words out of me and reflect back to me what I'm saying. It's like a good friend, sometimes you just need to 
sail your ship to so that they can help you understand how you're feeling. Not everyone knows how to describe their feelings accurately. So a good way to call people out would be to kind of appeal to, actually Deborah Francis White on the show said to to build bridges. I was going to say kind of appeal to their own interest. That's what I tend to do. I tend to say people like, yeah, no, that, that that's a really good point. Like, I totally understand your perspective. Must be really hard. But Deborah Francis White taught me on this podcast to just say, and. So like, yes, that's true. And this happens. Yeah, so like building bridges. Yes, and is a really good way to go about that. Okay, on to the next question. How do I get over body image issues caused by my ex making negative comments about my body? Oh, I had that. And you know what? The... Uh, it doesn't matter how much work you do on yourself. It's a bit like the high school bully, right? When you have their words in your head. The, the words will still always be there and it is really hard to get over. So I completely sympathize with that. And I just want to let you know, it's totally normal. And men have said fucking horrible things about me, not just on the internet, but in person. And it doesn't matter how strong you are, it still stinks because sticks and stones may break your bones. Words will never hurt me. It's not true. It does hurt and they leave marks on you and it can be really upsetting. So I just want to say I'm really sorry that you're also experiencing that. How do you get over the body image issues? For me, it took seeing my body and looking at my body within a context that had nothing to do with the men that had said those stuff to me. So masturbating, making art out of my body, viewing my body through a lens that had absolutely nothing to do with the men who had said this stuff about me. Um, Also seeing other women's bodies. I went to uh, Hampstead Heath Ladies Pond and it changed my fucking life. Naked women everywhere, tits out, wonky tits, fat women, hairy women, women with acne on their back, everything. Gorgeous. See more normal women's bodies. Okay, on to the next question. I love my best friend and we make out a lot, but we're too scared to lose the friendship. Help me. Oh, I've been there a lot, but then I I won't kiss the friend um, because there's that line. So you're probably in the position of acting on that impulse and then realizing you might have messed up the friendship I have mm, have I no I I don't go there because I know that it will confuse things is your friend straight is your friend gay do you both like girls you're too scared to lose the friendship so it sounds like maybe you both really want to be together if you're too scared to lose the friendship do you really like each other see I need more context because if you really like each other then I would say life's too short and give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, see if you can still be friends after. But can you still be friends with this person? Or have you got this constant yearning for them every single time they're in the room? Because that doesn't sound like a friendship to me. That sounds like watching the person you like and then having to hear about their dating life. That's not nice. Talk, 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 talk to her about it. And maybe taking the leap is going to be worth it. And you'll have a fantastic, gorgeous relationship. Also, I've totally assumed... I think I've been using, have I been using girl pronouns throughout this? I love my best friend. I totally assumed your best friend was a girl and that this was a gay question. Maybe it's a man. Um, maybe it's neither. But yeah, I say take the leap and talk about it. But if you really want this person as a friend, then put in some hard boundaries around physical contact. But if you've been making out, sounds like you're on the edge of fucking. So uh, maybe you should talk about that with them. Okay, next question. Hey, do you think it's a big deal if you don't have a friendship group? I have lots of friends from different groups, but I don't have a group to hang out with easily. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Oh my God. Of course. It's so normal to not have a friendship group. I have outgrown different friendship groups over the years. Group dynamics. I've, I've recently become friends with a group of people. Fucking wonderful people. Um, and group dynamics are so different to individual friends because there's, well, there's group dynamics. 
And there's people, maybe someone fancies someone. Maybe someone said something bad about someone. Or maybe it's all really good vibes and you're all very honest. Or maybe someone didn't get invited out because you didn't think that they were up for it. But turns out they were and now they're really upset. It's all of this, it's like, yeah, group dynamics. It's very primal. It can get very primal and everyone's instincts and feelings of rejection and abandonment and desirability, that all kinds of kind of kicks in. So that's what I would say. If you're not in a friendship group, sometimes you avoid all of that. But... I you know it's totally normal. Everything every time someone asks me, is this normal uh for this show? Yes, it fucking is. It's everything is normal. And I haven't had a friendship group for a very long time. I just kind of made friends with incredible women and I brought them all together. And now we all love each other and we it's great to hang out in a group. But they also have their own friendship groups. So I don't know if that's just a London thing. I feel like if you're from a small town, you probably more likely have a friendship group. But yeah, it's totally normal. Okay, next question. Hey Floss, I'm trying to figure out how to have a healthy relationship with my ex. He's a good guy and I want to be friends, but don't know how. Please let me know if you have any tips or advice for me. Thank you. Okay, is it hard to be friends with him because you still want to have sex with him? Is it hard to be friends because there's all the history there? I would say, again, boundaries. And that means being honest. That means telling him, hey this is hard for me. Can we work together to think of some rules to preserve this? And that might mean only meeting once a month for fucking coffee. Or after that, you might realize, actually, I don't want to be friends with this person. Or if you really want to keep this person in your life because they're in a group and you love him and he's a great guy uh, and you want to, you know, the best for him, like, and you just want to hang out with him still, then you still need some boundaries. You have to be like, can you not hug me that like that way anymore can you not touch my hand can you not tell me I look gorgeous anymore can you not say all this stuff there's all kinds of things that you'll need to insert and I know it's scary to say that stuff out loud perhaps but that's what needs to happen I feel from reading this very short description I don't have much context um but I feel like that's probably what would need to happen okay on to the next question hi floss I have two questions feel free to pick any okay love this multiple choice I've never loved my body nor properly hated it. I've never really looked at it. Just meh. What are your thoughts on body neutrality? Well, that sounds, I don't know, that sounds like a gorgeous place to be in. Because also bodies don't need to be worshipped. They just need to exist. One of my guests on the podcast has spoke about that. Uh, Your body is for function. It's for moving. It's not to be looked at. Um, And although we do look at bodies and bodies are gorgeous and and fluctuating and soft and spiky and hairy and all the lovely things um, that can make people feel aroused and attracted to you. They are bodies. Uh, so it kind of sounds like a gorgeous place that you're in, that you just, meh, not that bothered. Um, and your next question here is, how can I differentiate what I like and what I was taught to like to please the male gaze? I get asked this question all the time and every single time, I conclude on the point that it doesn't matter unless it is ruling your life, right? So unless something is becoming an obsession with your body or with how you look or your appearance, um, as long as it makes you feel good and you're not doing it to receive praise and then feeling let down when you don't receive the praise, that's that's the thing for me. It's when I do something and I wear something and I feel a certain way uh, and I still feel cool and I still feel nice no matter what anyone says, whether I receive validation or a compliment or not. That's when I know it's for me. So that's what I would say to that. 
Okay, on to the next question. Hey, I'm a queer woman and massive feminist. A couple years ago, after finding your Instagram, I started to really fucking love myself. But after a long... Thank you. That's wonderful feedback. (laughs) But after a long period of depression triggered by a homophobic incident, I'm really struggling to find that that care or self-love. I'm with an incredible girlfriend now, but often compare myself to her and don't feel great about my body and look at the moment. I want to find that kick-ass independent woman in myself again, but without rejecting love and relationships altogether. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I just want to say you absolutely deserve love, whether you love yourself or not. Um, It just means that it might be a bit trickier. Like you still deserve love. I know the RuPaul quote is, how can you love somebody else if you can't love yourself? Um, You absolutely... that the thing is with that quote it's not referring to deserving love you still deserve love and as long as you're not projecting your insecurities onto your girlfriend and you're honest about how you feel around her and that you're not making her feel shitty for how she looks or how you feel in comparison to her then just know you've got this shit on lock babes and just you are allowed to go on a journey of self-development also I'm sure your girlfriend has plenty of insecurities we don't come to people yes people should be whole when they come to a relationship in terms of like not needing the other person, but coming to the relationship from a position of wanting the other person. I feel like you're in a much stronger position to be in that relationship then. But everybody has their shit. I'm sure your girlfriend has her shit. And you're allowed to like improve on yourself in your relationships. I think relationships can enhance you. So don't view it as a negative thing that you don't like yourself at the moment in a relationship with the other person. And also be honest with your girlfriend. That's all it comes down to. Okay, on to the next question what's the stigma you overcame and are happier for um thinking that I need to be nice all the time though I do slip into it as like a survival thing sometimes I think I've kind of got over like needing to be nice as a woman I've definitely worked on that over the years and I'm not talking about being kind kindness is something I very much value but being nice and having to be seen as nice constantly just doesn't appeal to me anymore because I know that there's a much greater cost and that's one of muting myself and like extinguishing my fire and my fire needs to be protected so I think that's a I don't even know if that's a stigma but women are expected to be fucking nice and I've kind of slowly given up on that can't wait to be if I have the privilege of aging being an older woman who is just so fucking past it honestly I can't wait what is your favorite color at the moment pink always pink always or yellow or yellow it flit it flits between pink orange yellow and red that's my whole vibe my flat is covered in the stuff and it just makes mornings so gorgeous next question Hey Floss, I've been having major problems with body and self-confidence and I've never really enjoyed sex. I feel like I don't have an attractive body and so I don't have the confidence to sleep with someone I'm really attracted to. Help. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I have felt this many times about different things to do with my body, to like concealing parts of my body. It's very natural because also this is the most vulnerable state that you will be in with a person is when you're naked. So I completely understand the vulnerability there and why you would have those insecurities because it's like shining a light on the basement, the area of the basement that you don't expect and inspect until someone else looks at it. Um, Sex is very vulnerable. I would probably, I would definitely have sex with someone that really expresses desire with you and someone that you trust. Someone that you trust enough to tell how you feel. I've had friends who told men 
that they felt uncomfortable in their bodies. And the guy was like completely, he didn't understand it because he loved those things about her. And this is like casual sex partners. I'm not talking about relationship. Just because it's casual sex doesn't mean that the way you interact with it has to be like willy-nilly and all like completely transactional and let's fuck and not talk about how we're going to fuck. You're allowed to talk to your casual sex partners about how you feel. So I would have a go at talking to someone that you really trust um, and telling them how you feel. Okay, next question. Feminism as a movement has historically benefited white women above other women and oftentimes leaves women from different ethnicities and races out of the conversation. Although I'm a white woman myself, from what I hear in conversation with other people, we believe feminism to have moved past what it used to and in case all women. But I recently saw someone on TikTok say they're not feminist, but rather womanist. Do you think the word feminism and feminist is outdated? Is it time for a whole new movement that actually does in case all women? So yes, historically feminism has excluded women of colour. Women of colour didn't even get the right to vote when we had. So even when we talk about women got the vote in uh, 1918, it wasn't all women. It was actually just middle class white women. Um, And then eventually it was all women. So yes, feminism historically has excluded women of colour. And that still repeats itself in history today. I don't personally care about a label. I think sometimes it makes it more confusing. But if black women want to call themselves, as you've said, the, the womanist phrase, if, if, if women want to use that, I can't remember. I think maybe it was Angela Davis. I can't remember. Someone coined that womanist because they didn't relate to feminism the way that it was being spoken about. Feminism was being spoken about by white women only really thinking of themselves. So I understand if someone else wants to do that, use whatever label you prefer. Again, you don't need to live up to some kind of like perfect morally f- feminist person as long as you're open to other people's experiences and like if someone wants to call themselves a womanist like that's fine that's the business um I don't really have much of an opinion on that one okay next question I'm just starting to come to terms with being bi and I feel that I cannot tell people because they won't believe me because I seem really straight yep been there um I had people tell me it was a fantasy I've had people not believe me to the point where I would just get really upset And this was when I was with my boyfriend. I came out to a few people while I was with my ex to kind of like test the waters of how people felt about it. And people didn't believe me because I had a boyfriend and I had long blonde hair. Um, Unfortunately, that's just their way of thinking. People think that you can't exist as a queer woman unless you have short hair and you're a butch lesbian. People think that there's nothing in between because we assume that femininity is exclusively performed for men. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard and I'm just here to validate that, yeah, that's really fucking annoying and there's nothing you can do about what other people say about you. But what you can do is self-soothe and you can self-validate, remind yourself, I'm bisexual, I don't give a fuck who thinks otherwise. And also just don't do anything to prove it. Just don't do anything you don't want to do. Don't feel like you've got to have gay sex to get something under your belt. Unless you want to, then absolutely go have gay sex. Okay. <laughs> okay, next question. Is it normal to feel like a constant teacher educating boys about my experiences as a woman and the resor- and the resources I've learned from? Is this healthy? I just think if I leave it up to men, they'll never find the resources or give them the time of day. No, this is true. This is true. If you leave it up, but also if you keep doing the work for them, they're never going to fucking do it um, because you're doing it for them. Um, I know so many friends who had feminist, quote unquote, feminist boyfriends who then gave up the whole feminist shtick once they broke up. Uh, and return to their old tricks because it was all an act and it was all uh, a thing to just like learn about feminism just because the woman involved in the relationship was there to do it for them. 
If you feel like your energy is being wasted, then redirect it elsewhere. It's, it does sound exhausting and you're nobody's teacher. Um, but I think just the way, for example, me with my, the, the, the men that I'm friends with, I'm friends with because they are my friend's boyfriends and I love them. They're great guys. And they learn a lot from me, not because I teach them, but because of how I react to things that they do or I call things out. And uh, they thank me for it after. They're like, oh shit, I didn't know that. And it's no really educational exhausting labor for me because I'm just responding. I'm saying, hey, that's not cool, actually. That's um, that's not cool. We don't do that. You're better than that. I think also telling men when they fuck up, just being like, you're better than that. It kind of lets them know that like you still think they're a good person, but you're better than that, you know, instead of being like, you're a dickhead. Just tell them you're better than that. As always, thank you for listening and getting in touch. It really means so much to me. Same time next week for more Ask Floss. Can't wait to chat next week. 